You are now entering Armbar Audio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Armbar Audio. Next to me is my trusted companion, John Kearns. What's up, everybody? What's your name, though? I didn't say Tim Farley. No. I'm Tim Farley. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Welcome. Welcome to the show. And today we have another guest for you. Uh, the incomparable Polo Del Mar. Polo Del Mar. Let's get right into it. All right, so we are here. We are here with our guest on this day, uh, Paul Pratt, also known as uh, Notorious PDM, the Glamazon Polo Del Mar. How are y'all? How are you? Well, glad to be here with you. We're very happy to have. And I just want to start this off because it's a such a common mistake. Poyo, like two, like a Y, the two L's. I was wondering that. Yeah, it's it's super common. If you're Italian, you would say Polo, but if you're Hispanic or Latino, you would say Poyo. See, I was wondering that, but I didn't. I I didn't know if your name would be Chicken Del Mar. I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> yeah, well, if you if you translate the whole thing, oh shit, you guys, I'm getting blown up right now by text at this Sorry. random late late ass hour from <laughs> Jamie Senegal, who I'm going to be managing at NWA Empower, so we can definitely like just leave the the well, blinging in. Jump into that. Yeah, but my whole name translates to mean chicken of the sea. Oh, that's so interesting. Too. I love that. So yeah, it, it it and I just wanted to like put it out there and there's no shame in like mispronouncing it. If you heard the way Mickey James pronounced it the first time that we spoke, um, it was even worse. So oh wow. Uh, country, I'm just country pumpkin. <laughs> Mickey can call me any damn thing she wants as long as she calls me, and she's been calling me a lot lately. So I'm I'm very happy. There That's so fucking awesome. I, I'm happy for you as well. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, uh Jamie Senegal was hitting you up and you were going to be her valet, I assume, at NWA Empower. Yeah, manager, valet. All on manager. Awesome. So tell us about that. Because before it was announced, you were were campaigning for this, weren't you? Hell yes, I was campaigning for it. I absolutely was campaigning for it. I think that when you know what you want in life, you can either allow that uh, to come to you, sit around and wait. Maybe it comes to you, maybe it doesn't, or you can go for what you want. And oh my God, every person that I work with in pro wrestling is <laughs> at this very moment. Shut up, you dirty <laughs> bastards. Let me talk. Um, so yeah, I think that you either sit around and wait for opportunities to come to you or you identify what those opportunities are. You identify what it is you want to accomplish in this world and you go for it. And so for me, I have, I sat on a lot of dreams for a really long time. We'll say that. And the fact became very clear to me that a closed mouth does not get fed. So I started putting out there into the world, like, this is what I want to do. 
this is where I want to see myself go. This is what I want to be doing in uh, three months, six months, a year, five years. And I've been, it sounds trite probably to say, but I've been very blessed that in the last less than six months of my life, more things in a positive nature have happened for me within the world of professional wrestling than will happen for some entertainers in a lifetime and in an entire career. And that is a gift and a blessing. And I don't take it for granted, but I don't think that those opportunities would have come knocking if I didn't plant the seed. Right. Uh, and I love that too, because a, l- a lot of people, you know, talk about manifestation and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. putting your ideas out into the universe and the universe will bring it back. And I, there is the law of attraction is real and all that stuff, but you also have to put you, your, your boots on and you have to walk toward it. You can't, you can't mm-hmm. just sit there because you know, Anybody who ever had success in anything, whether it's a small, tiny thing or a huge thing, will tell you that they had to do something. Um, Absolutely true. And I'm actually keep talking because I'm looking up something that I tweeted this morning or retweeted for somebody this morning that talks to that very thing. Keep talking. So you touched upon um, in the last six months, a lot of things have happened to you uh, that wouldn't happen to others. Uh, in a lifetime. Now, I know one of those is uh, you did an article with Renee. Uh, I did. And I know that you did an article with PWI. And you were published. Uh, what was what? that? What was that article about exactly? So my article for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is legitimately the culmination of a lifelong dream. That's a dream that has been decades in the making. And it came to fruition on the October 2021 issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. The article uh, encapsulates the feud that we saw between Ricochet and Mustafa Ali on the uh, WWE main event series. And it was such an incredible match series. And it was two stars who have been underutilized woefully on the main roster of WWE, having this tremendous breakthrough moment, which unfortunately took place on a program that is the least viewed in the entire WWE universe. So, you know, for me, it was a scenario of having the opportunity to really dive in and watch some fantastic professional wrestling between these two, watch an incredible story be told that these men would never have gotten that kind of airtime or any of that on any of the main roster type of programming and get to write about it. And, you know, I firmly believe that while for me, it's a dream come true to write for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I have yet to meet a professional wrestler of any age or generation whose ultimate goal was not to be featured in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So, you know, Mustafa and Ricochet have had probably ample uh, opportunities to be in that that publication. Um, Mine, I hope, was something special for them because it really talks about what incredible talents both of them are. Now, you've been a journalist for a very long time. I certainly have. You you started in uh, the Bay Area and... um, you worked for, uh, what is it? Was it Glamazon? 
What's it? No, 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 no. I'm sure that you're talking about Gloss Magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, my, I, I don't want to tell how exactly how old I am, but you can look it up. I'm in my, I'm in my late forties. And Holy shit! I, yes. No, and I mean my, like in a good way, like right. But I, and I agree because again, I'm a very fortunate person. Uh, I meet other people who are my age, and I, you know, I I can't relate to where they're at physically, but. My career as a journalist started at such a young age. Um, Again, this goes back to that idea that I talked about when even from being a kid, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I came home, to put it in perspective for you, I came home from third grade, Mm -hmm. eight years old, told my mom that I wanted to be a journalist when I grew up. My mom, uh, who is incredibly supportive to this day, uh, got me a used typewriter. And I started a school newspaper at eight years old. That's fantastic. I printed, we printed out on Xerox machines and I sold to students in my school. You know, and then I believe by the time Mike Tanay started, his career started like that as well. You know, it's a, a scenario where I think when you know what you want to do and you're passionate about it, and, you know, it, it's something that has to be fulfilled. And, you know, it's weird to think of an eight year old, you know, doing that or, you know, and it just progressed from there. By the time I was in high school, I was writing for a New York Times affiliate newspaper, um, as well as local publications throughout my hometown area in Florida. And then when I went to college, you know, it just snowballed from there. I've consistently been involved in print media specifically, and I have a degree in broadcast media. So all of these things came together um, in, in this wonderful kind of an amalgamation of skills, opportunities, and talent. And I, I was, I was editor-in-chief of Gloss Magazine for a number of years here in San Francisco, one of the largest LGBTQ publications in the state of California. And I've had the chance to write for publications as far ranging as Us Weekly, the supermarket tabloid, to obviously Pro Wrestling Illustrated and variety of publications in between. That's so awesome. And uh, you were talking about knowing at a young age. When I was young, I, I wrote comics, and then it turned into little novels, novellas, if you will. And then in high school, I was writing for the paper. I took journalism classes. You know, throughout my life, it's all, the creativity always came out somehow like that with words. And here I am doing this. So that's where it is now. Um, so I can relate to that. Also. Um, you talked about Gloss Magazine. You were also a cover girl, weren't you? Yeah, of course I was. You know, I uh, was a cover girl before. I was actually editor-in-chief of that magazine. And I ended up on the cover of that particular magazine three different times. Um, and I will tell you, I never I never liked a single one of those photos. But, <laughs> you know, um, the, the reality was that it was each time that I was on the cover of the magazine, you know, it's very, there's something very surreal to live in a community. San Francisco is a large city. We all know that, but it's a, has a very much a small town feel to it because um, within the larger city, there are neighborhoods and the neighborhoods, this is a walking city. People walk and they're out in the streets and, and for the most part. And so for me to find myself, you know, on the cover of a publication like that, which in many of the neighborhoods was in every single, it was available everywhere. You know, 
it was very, it was my first experience of feeling like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I'm on the verge of like making it, you know, maybe this, is this what it feels to like break through to that other side? And I remember, you know, for the people that are around me, like I, I surround myself, I I surround myself predominantly with dogs, obviously that's who I predominantly surround myself with. But um, most of the people in my personal life are other creatives, you know, and other people who are very active in our community. And so for me, it, it's nothing to, you know, see my friends on the front page of the newspaper or on television or, um, and many of them are already in the media. So, you know, to hear them on their radio show or, or see their column in the paper. But it's one of those things where when those things begin to happen, um, it's when other people comment on that, you know, like people are like, oh my God, because it, it doesn't occur to you that it's not sort of like a normal thing for most people. <laughs> you know, my mom is like, my mom said to me, Paul, um, you know, yes, I get it. Like, this is kind of normal to you, but th- this is not normal. Like my nephew is like, well, I love my nephew to pieces, but I, he's an unabashed fan also. You know what I mean? Because to him, like, oh my God, my uncle's on magazines and, you know, on TV or whatever. So it, it's a very interesting experience. And I think that in many ways it started being on the cover of Loss. That's so great to, to hear that you have a very supportive family. Yeah. My family is um, insanely supportive. Um, you know, my, my niece... Uh, my my niece is my oldest of the three children my sister has, and she came and lived with me here. Uh, and she lived basically in my drag room because I only have a one bedroom place. So she lived in the the drag room, and we had her set up with a bed and everything in there, and like her own little space. But she still woke up surrounded by wigs and like you know styrofoam heads staring at her, and you know <laughs> bedazzlement everywhere. And um, and that was you know she. I don't know. Maybe it didn't register to her that that's not how most teenage girls like, you know, wake up necessarily. Right. Right. And in many ways, I think that having a niece that is wonderful and supportive might be a little more expected than having two young nephews. My nephew, my oldest one just turned 20 uh, back in February. And the, the youngest one is about to turn 19, like in a matter of days. And They've always grown up very aware of who I am, what I do, because I've been doing drag the majority of their lives. And they've, you know, I remember in those really formative years, like in high school and stuff, where a lot of kids would be potentially ashamed or embarrassed or like, oh my God, you know, my nephew's going on different things like on the internet, like on YouTube videos or whatever that had me in them and being like, oh my God, that's my uncle, you know? And that is one of the things I am most proud of that my family has done is that they have, my family has normalized who I am because it is normal. It's just another, you know, way of performing and and being, Mm -hmm. uh, living my life. It's, they've normalized it enough that these two young boys will ideally take their understanding and pass it forward. And, and that's a real rewarding thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that stuff. So, um, so what can we get into here? We got, we can get into everything. There's a million things. I've got wrestlers. 
They're really like, texting me out my ass here. I've got, and by the way, some of this stuff, I'm not going to lie to you guys since uh, we're just like shooting the shit here. How I talked about that thing being on the cover of a magazine being surreal. Let me assure you that some of the shit that's happening in my life at this very moment, day by day. Oh yeah. Legitimately blows my mind. Whether it's like earlier today, I was doing an Instagram live and Frankie Monet jumped in and started talking to me. I fucking lost my shit. Or, you know, or the fact that like low key, I don't like, the, the listeners can hear this, obviously. Um, I've been exchanged since the announcement for NWA Empower came out. I have been exchanging messages with people I've been literal fans of, uh, a fan of for like 10 years. And all of a and sudden it's like. It's crazy, isn't it? Like we had the yes. same thing. We had the same thing when we started getting interviews. Like when we had Effie on, it was like. We we had been talking to Brett Lauderdale for a while about doing the sponsorships that we do for GCW, because and we've done that a couple of times where our our logo is actually on their their ring canvas for a couple of shows, and we were talking and he was talking about well I can probably get you somebody for the show if like if you want to hype up the collective is what we were hyping up at that time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, what this segment was why you should be watching. So and we decided this time we were doing GCW. GCW. And usually we get someone who's more on our level, who's more knowledgeable about that promotion than we are. Like for like we did one for Dragon Gate where we had the person that runs the the open the fan gate website. Or or we did Stardom where we had our friend Michael, who's like a pro who's like a pro reso and Joshi genius. So for GCW, Brett Lauderdale got Effie to be on our show. Yeah, and we almost shit our pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were so fucking happy because since we started watching GCW, like, Effie is... We're all in on daddy. Number one. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, like, he was sitting at the table, at the dinner table. He told me one day, and Jacob Fatu called him. And, like his cousin saw his name on the phone and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like we're sitting at freaking dinner and Jacob Fatu just calls me on the phone and, and, and I'm freaking out and my cousin's freaking out and he, and, and she's like, are you serious? I'm like, are you serious? So I, I was like, I had to answer. He's hard to get a hold of. So I answered the phone. Jacob Fatu, I'm answering shit. Yeah. yeah. Wow, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I have on top of I, everything, the man, he's not, technically savvy like we are so it's oh, hard to yeah. get so it's hard to get him it's hard. <laughs> so i think that he's absolutely techie savvy he's just like yeah. meh whatever he's, <laughs> he's a mover and a shaker dude don't let it don't let him play the i'm grandma and don't know what the hell's going on oh, no he didn't try to play anything <laughs> this was our assessment yeah. like based uh, on interactions <laughs> like i don't know if this guy knows how to work his phone like does his kids show him how like right, you know what I'm saying. Like so, he's had too much barbecue, and like you know what I'm saying. He he he's on a whole different <laughs> wavelength than this shit. You know what I mean? Like just you know, book. I have, a, I have this really uh, like to me. It's really funny. Um, Jacob Fatu story. So I did a show a couple months back called Full Queer, and <laughs> um, Jacob and Jacob and his brother uh, came as surprises. Like they, you know they came to be on the show with us as surprises. And so um, got to meet him a little bit there. And fast forward a 
about, I guess, maybe a month ago, I was at a West Coast Pro show and Jacob was on the show. And so there's a, you know, of course, there's the curtain that blocks off what's going on backstage from what's going on in front of the stage. And Jacob kept going between the curtain in this like small area. And I was standing a good distance from that damn curtain. But Jacob's so effing wide Right. He would go behind the curtain and three different times he nearly knocked me down because his ass, like, or shoulder or some <laughs> part of him, like, slammed into me. I was like, dude, I'm like two feet from this curtain. What is going on? So, but, you know, the the Fatu family is so, uh, you know, being from the Bay Area, they're so heavily involved on West Coast pro wrestling and right. their influence is so far reaching. It was, it was incredible. I remember doing that show at Full Queer and seeing them there and i was like they you know they introduced them to me and it never dawned on me until like 3 hours later i'm like wait a minute that's that is the jacob fatu yeah you know like exactly. like you know and he, but he, he was so chill and no, he's, uh, chillest, he's very chill we we he and his brother were awesome we did a we did one interview with him and then we were going to do another interview and we did it but we were fucked up during it like me, him, and Jacob, and it's it will never see it, the it was unusable. It was unusable, <laughs> but it was the best three hours we've spent. Yes, we've spent in a long time. Holy like, shit! So, yeah, we were just fucking rambling so, uh, about everything, dude. So going off of the GCW thing, um, the first time we saw you, of course, was when you hosted at the Collective Twenty Twenty One Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Yes. So. And I instantly fell in love with you with how you were reading members of the audience and some of the wrestlers. <laughs> I love that. So, so what was that like? First of all, you talk about your love for Effie and, and you know, you have a love for Effie having worked with him as a, you know, a guest on your podcast, you have a love for Effie as a fan. And yeah. I have, I have love for Effie as an entertainer. And as a, a friend, uh, I have love for Effie as somebody who legitimately, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, who changed my life. Um, Effie changed my life. And I, I've known Effie for a fairly long time. I, you, I've i hosted many podcasts of my own over the years. And um, a number of years back, Effie came on as a guest. And so we connected then and stayed in touch. And then uh, a couple of years passed and we both became part of a, an upcoming documentary film that's going to be called, that's called Out in the Ring. We're hopeful that'll hit, you know, theaters maybe in the beginning of 2022. Uh, it's been years in the making, it feels like. And we, you know, through that, we stayed in touch. And then ultimately I connected with Effie and Zicky Dice, who Zicky was one on, on one of the very first so wrestling shows I ever did. Um, in a, at a different lifetime, it felt like for both of us, because Zicky was far from the incredible, he was only beginning to show signs of that incredible entertainer that we know today. And so I went to Zicky's house and Effie and I and uh, Zicky all, we did a drag thing on their Twitch channel. And that night is when Zicky basically twisted Effie's arm to ask me to host uh, Big A Brunch 2021 on August or on April 10th of this year. And the reason I say that that Effie changed my life is first of all, he took a chance on me because he had, I don't think he had ever necessarily seen me do what I do in the world of professional wrestling. And, and and the fact that he still signed me on to do that 
And the fact that he not only did, it wasn't like bringing me in for a, a one-off, like trot me out to the ring and like send me on my way type of thing. In a lot of ways, I was the glue and Effie would say this. I was the glue that held that show together because I was the one who was in the ring. The majority of the time I was in the ring longer than some of the wrestlers. Yeah. Right. And um, there, it takes a tremendous amount of trust and implicit respect for somebody like Effie to turn his child that that event is his you know it's his baby it's you know it's it's growing and evolving and turning into something that's like beginning to mature but he it's his brainchild and for him to turn that over to me um it was mind blowing and then the, the kind of response that i received in the wake of that was something beyond anything i could have imagined and you can trace everything that's good that's going on in my life right now in the world of professional wrestling right back to some kind of exposure from that event, that singular event. And so what that tells me is two things. Number one, Effie, you're fucking brilliant. Number one. And the second thing it tells me is that, you know, no matter how big or small the opportunity may appear when it's presented to you, you have to maximize that. Because um, if I had gone out there and half-assed it or phoned it in or, or, you know, whatever the case may have been, nothing that's come to me since then might be on my plate right now. Just because so many people said, oh, my God, I saw you at, at Big A Brunch. I loved it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we're here now. So, right. Um, so I wanted to ask you. You know, you knew what you wanted to do when you were in third grade. Um, what passion came first, drag or wrestling? And when did they, be, like, how did, they did that, how did that happen? Like, yeah. did you see drag uh, at a certain time and want to do it? Or were you more like, you know, putting on makeup mm -hmm. yourself and, and then you discovered <laughs> other people are doing this. Oh, hell no. Um, you know, oddly enough, like, I would be lying if I said that I never got in my mom's makeup. My mom had, I remember when I was a kid, like, my mom, it was so long ago, but she had, like, a this round thing. It was either Mary Kay or Avon, and it was, like, a makeup carrying thing, but it looked, it was round and pink. And um, she had all these, like, random lipsticks and bullshit in there. And I remember one time, she never really went in it. And I would get in there and mess around. And this is a very young age. And I remember one time she opened it up and it was a catastrophe. And she was like, what in the hell happened here? And I was just like, mm -mm. Uh, you know, silent crickets. But so other than that, you know, I never aspired to do drag. I never did. I like I relate. I, I think I loved I've always loved drag. I have never I'd never had the inclination to participate. And I attribute that to my own internalized homophobia. You know, I saw that and there was an, a variety of things, but where I first lived and when I came out, which was in Cleveland, Ohio, in the Midwest, the predominant number of drag performers that I knew in that area were actually transgender women. And, um, and as a result of, you know, societal issues and pressures and things, most of those individuals only you know, their only real option 
to earn a living for themselves was, you know, as entertainers, like in nightclubs and bars and things like that. Um, and then some unsavory things on the side. But uh, so where I came from initially, there were very few um, male identifying performers in the drag world. So then I moved to San Francisco and um, here drag had a very different aesthetic. It was like much more punk rock, much more gender, gender fuck, gender queer, um, non-conforming type of thing. And, um, you know, I appreciated that. It, took, it was an acquired taste, but I grew to appreciate that. And then after a number of years here and, and living and, and being part of the community, I did drag for the very first time as a fundraising thing. And, and that's how that all started. Like the drag started as a fundraising thing, legitimately within six months became my career. So um, it was unexpected, unplanned. The love for wrestling came, you know, very, very young. I would say it was by the time I realized that I knew that I wanted to be a journalist, I was already in love with wrestling. And as I explained today um, on a, a video uh, that we shot for the NWA, I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth. Like that's what, I mean, it's a fact. I mean, it's a fact, but I can't believe it. Um, uh, you know, I was filming for the NWA race for the chase earlier today, and they asked a similar question. And, and I told them that, you know, my story is one, I think that a lot of members of the LGBTQ community could relate to in terms of the fact that my family struggled to find things and ways they could connect with me, especially the men in my family. It was obvious very clearly that I was a different type of little boy. And my dad and grandfather, my grandfather didn't struggle as much, but my dad certainly struggled to connect with me. And at a very young age, I fell in love with wrestling. And, you know, much to his credit, my father and I had a troubled history. We had our ups and downs, and there was long periods of time of severe and significant animosity. Um, and luckily that had all patched itself up by the time he passed away. But the one thing that my father did right in every sense of the word is foster my love for pro wrestling. Um, he took me to countless, countless small bars and venues and like flea markets and wherever they were having pro wrestling. My dad took me to all of it and, and really allowed me to immerse myself in that world, that, that world that for me at the time was just fantasy, but he, he very much supported that. And as a result of that, there are times now when all of this incredible stuff in the world of pro wrestling um, is happening that I wish that I could share that with him, you know, and I don't think, I think that's, this might be the first time I've ever actually expressed that, but he passed away right before all of the, the things relating to my wrestling career started. And yeah, you're going to make me cry. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a situation where, you know, I had started to interview professional wrestlers and, and, um, I shared this with my dad. I'm going to tell y'all, um, a story that's both comedic and sad and all these things at the same time. But my dad constantly used the excuse that he didn't want to call me because the long distance cost, he didn't have a cell phone. So he didn't want to pay long distance costs. Okay. Whatever, whatever, dad. 
total dad thing. Old people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's also a cop-out dad thing because right. he, he, whatever. But I was like, all right, I'm going to fix your ass. So I bought him a cell phone and I bought, I paid for the service and I paid for that service for two years. I got exactly one phone call from that two years from him on that cell phone. But, but one of the reasons that I had sent, I got him that cell phone is because I wanted to be able to text him photos. You know, like I uh, sent him photos of me with, uh, at the Levi, the opening of Levi stadium with Hulk Hogan, when I was there for a private one-on-one interview with Hulk Hogan, I sent him that and Jimmy Hart was there and I interviewed Jimmy Hart that day as well. And, and I, I sent him a lot of pictures like, um, before my time as a journalist covering wrestling, I was a journalist covering celebrities. And so I would send him pictures like this Cindy Lauper or whomever. Ah, we did want to talk about that um, too. Yeah. And I also like freaking sending pictures of my dogs and my car and all this shit, you know, just, and I never, not one time ever got a response and it pissed me off. And I was livid. I was like telling my mom, because they've been divorced for years. I was like, that's it. I'm turning that goddamn phone off. He, he never responds, nothing. And so um, he passed away on January 9th and his birthday was the previous December, December 10th, as it turned out. So he passed away one month, almost to the day um, from his birthday. And um, on his birthday, I called him to um, wish him a happy birthday. And I will never forget it. He was like, you are never going to believe what happened today. And I was like, what, what happened? And he's like, that goddamn cell phone wouldn't stop making noise. And I was, it was driving me batshit. So I went to my friend and asked my friend to shut the noise up. (laughs) And she told me that it was because I had these text messages from you. And so on his birthday, like one month before he passed away on his birthday, he opened two years of text messages. That's fucking crazy. With photo after photo after photo of things that I had wanted to share with him. And um, and it was, you know, like what it was worth two years of expensive ass iPhone bills, never to get a call just for that one amazing last birthday gift for him. And he was so overjoyed that day. He was so proud. He was showing all his friends on his birthday, all these pictures. Oh, this is my boy with Hulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, And so it was very much worth it. And then, you know, he passed away a month later unexpectedly in his sleep, but... I have, I have no regrets about any of that. And that was, you know, I was like, Oh my God, my dad was a complete idiot. Like (laughs) he, like, I can just imagine him being absolutely furious. He went through all the trouble of buying the cell phone, but never told him. He never knew how to use the damn thing. (laughs) And I used to say to him, like my nephews were like eight at the time. I'd be like, go to the boys and let them show you how to use this cell phone. (laughs) Oh my god, that is so fantastic! Like such a great story, though. Yeah, I feel blessed just hearing it, man. Like that—that uh, that was really touching. Um, that's awesome. So I don't even know how we go into like anything else. Random dumbass podcast. Well, you shit. Can, <laughs> yeah, well, you like, guys like, did. What the guys, fuck? You, 
I'll, I'll redirect for you because you did ask, I went off on that fucking tangent, but you know, you asked how, like, which came first, the drag or the wrestling, the, the wrestling came well before. And what ended up happening though, is how the two converged is that my journalism career, basically everything in my life ended up folding underneath the, the guise of Pollo Del Mar. So, well, yeah. you know, you know, Paul Pratt is doing all the work. Pollo Del Mar is getting all the acclaim because that's a face that <laughs> will recognize right. along with a name that they've grown to recognize because that that persona ha had taken on a life of its own. So I was doing all of my journalistic work under that. And at some point I was like, you know what? I'm interviewing all these incredible celebrities. Like, why not like start to like fold in some of my own love for these different types of celebrities of these professional wrestlers. And so for um, seven years at the Huffington Post, I covered pro wrestling and I was the only person for HuffPost who covered wrestling. And I interviewed some of the biggest names in the world of professional wrestling during that time. And it's really started to build up some kind of um, credibility for me and, and a reputation for being knowledgeable as well as well-written and well-published, you know, very widely read. So it, it gained me a lot of access to that world. And ultimately a local promoter who had helped me set up an one of my celebrity interviews with a wrestler who I'm sad to say was Ryback, um, <laughs> invited me of all people, Ryback opened the fucking door for me in the world of professional wrestling and, and invited me to be part of their show. And, and that's how it all started. And, and, you know, I think that once I got the taste, I was like, okay, you know, I can do this. And frankly, in some cases, I'm better than some of the people who do it all the time. Right. Right. I feel that. So that goes, so that sort of um, leads us into your work with wrestling, Inc., doesn't it? Yeah. Like how's sure. that? Certainly about? can. Uh, well, so Nick Hausman, who is my podcast co host on Thursdays for the Wrestling Inc. Daily, the Wink Daily, uh, is now the managing editor of Wrestling Inc., but he had previously worked with a different wrestling website. And I contributed to that website on a, a few occasions. And when I was at the height of doing my various um, interviews for the Huffington Post and other places, I what I would do is I would re record those and uh, interviews and upload them like a podcast. And then I would send, you know, snippets of those or written transcripts or little like, you know, PR pieces, press releases, to Nick. And that's how he became aware of me. <clears throat> and then, um, I guess about maybe like last December, Raj Geary, who is the publisher of wrestling Inc posted something, I think on social media that just said, basically, I'm looking for uh, a podcast co-host. And so I, just, again, you shoot your shot or you don't. So I shot my shot. I messaged him. and was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I've got a fair amount of talent. I've got a broadcasting degree. I've written for pro wrestling, um, websites before. And I'm, loosely involved in the world of pro wrestling here in Northern California. So how about give me a shot and months passed and I got no response because I know that Raj and Nick were overwhelmed because they were understaffed and overwhelmed. Right. And I didn't take it personally, but eventually it circled back and we scheduled an interview for the site. I was going to be just a regular contributor and we had a, a zoom conference call between the three of us. And I'm telling you, within two minutes into that interview, I knew I was not getting that job um, because I I outright told them like this is that's what you're looking for. I, I think is not what I want to do. It's not what I envision for myself. Um, there's nothing wrong with what you're looking for somebody to do. Obviously, there's a need for that, 
but I know myself and that's not what I'm passionate about. What I'm passionate about is something different. And I think at some point down the road, you're going to, you are going to agree that I'm more valuable doing that for you than, than anything else. And if you don't come to that realization, no harm, no foul. So as it turned out, um, a few weeks later, Nick reached out and said, Hey, you know what? We've really been thinking about doing some, some new things with wrestling Inc. We would like you to come on and sort of guest host as a pod, one of the podcasts to see how you work out. And it snowballed from there before I even went on for my first guest hosting. That's in air quotes. If, if you can't see it, air quotes, guest hosting gig. They invited me on as the regular Thursday podcast co-host with Nick. And, and since then, you know, I've written multiple articles for them, gotten to interview a few high name celebrities with many more to come. I can promise you that. And my relationship with them is outstanding. Nick and Raj have been wonderful to work for. The site is wonderful. And I just have to say as an individual, Nick Hausman is a really, really genuinely nice person. I I'm sure that Raj is too, but I don't have that level of interaction with him, but uh, Nick is an, an outstanding individual. He, he stands for a, a lot of things that I really value and appreciate. And I admire him for that. That's awesome. Um, a local guy is also involved in wrestling Inc. His name is Justin Labar. Have you, uh, have yes. You known him? I do not know Justin Labar personally. I know Justin Labar by reputation. Justin is outstanding, <coughs> excuse me, outstanding credentials in the world of professional wrestling as a contributor, a writer, um, a talking head, if you will, type of a pundit about the world of professional wrestling. Right. Tremendous opinion and perspective on the world of professional wrestling. And I remember actually when I first went on to Wrestling Inc. the previous Thursday, Justin Labar had been the podcast co-host. And I, the very first, one of the first things out of my mouth was like, how in the hell have you let this website go from having Justin Labar co-host this podcast to me? You guys are really <laughs> downgrading, be. but let me, I'll bust my ass to make sure that I, you know, try to uphold the standard that Justin set before me. Yeah. And the website that you contributed to, you didn't name it, but I think I know which one you're talking about. And I shot my I shot my shot with them, but I didn't hear from them. But that's okay. But was it um, the, the one that I wrote that I was with previously was WrestleZone? Yeah. And I, I contributed to WrestleZone. Bill Pritchard is a wonderful person, too. You know, I've had this is, I think that this is one of the things that <coughs> people respond to. I'm so sorry, y'all. I've like got this terrible cough. It's, it's because of the fact I was inhaling all this fucking powder earlier on. And I'm not talking about like drugs. I mean, like, this cosmetics powder because I was in drag earlier today and I was like, and the next thing I know, I have like a baker's cough, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think one of the things that people tend to, the pieces of feedback I hear about myself is that people perceive me as like this, like wildly positive and optimistic and enthusiastic type of person, because I've built these incredible freaking relationships and have been so like, it's been a gift to me that like, People like Bill Pritchard, you know, um, have like invited me on for Big Gay Brunch to promote Big Gay Brunch on their podcast. And I get to work with Wrestling Inc. and Pro Wrestling Illustrated and be tangentially involved with things like Game Changer Wrestling and Hood Slam, which right. here on the West Coast is unbelievable. Um, you know, the fact that over the next four weeks, I have uh, four wrestling shows with four different wrestling promotions yeah. in two 
two different states. And if you go a week beyond that, I'm flying to Chicago for Effie's Big Gay Brunch Chicago. So, you know, like I am a very blessed and gifted person in terms of like the, the wonderful things that the world has brought to me. And I just made these, whether they're deep relationships or superficial relationships, they tend to all be really amazing relationships with incredible people who happen to be movers and shakers. And I somehow get to like, I feel like I'm Tarzan swinging from vine to vine, like one incredible opportunity to the next because well, of these people. That are I, mean, I mean, that's how we feel. That's how we feel too. Cause like, like when we first interacted and everything, you know, uh, it was funny because it was over like some wrestling opinions, but you are the type of person and I, I'm the type of person that can discuss instead of just writing people off or, you right. know, I always like, if you, if you don't see eye to eye with me, that's okay. But if we can talk about it, then let's do so. And then I can see more of your side. You can see more of my side. And then through the conversation, we were both on the same page. But there's so many people in the world who do not do that, and it's it's disgusting. Yeah, it, it, that it, it, it limits growth, and, and it's it, certainly frustrating, isn't it? Don't you yeah, think so? It's certainly absolutely. frustrating. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about wrestling. Some, I guess, who are when you were young, who were the wrestlers that you gravitated towards? Uh, the rest, when well, I was wrestling younger, the, personalities, yeah, for sure. Because I, I have a, interestingly enough, like I have many professional wrestlers that I grew up loving and idolizing, but it's no accident that I'm going to NWA empower on the 28th as a manager, as a child, I legitimately wanted to grow up and be a manager. Um, so, and specifically a manager of tag teams. So the, that, right. I think that can tell you a, a lot about me, but when I was a kid, the personalities that I loved, um, I, oh, I very much, even though he's gone off the deep end a little bit at times, I was a huge fan of Jim Cornette. I loved what Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, um, did in the kind of package they were collectively. Jim Cornette, this very flamboyant, outspoken, loudmouth, brash type of character, the team of depending on who, what generation of Midnight Express you were looking at, it could have gone from everybody from um, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry all the way, you know, through a variety of incarnations with that as well. But the Midnight Express was always my favorite and in that regard. So I have always been a humongous fan of tag team wrestling. A lot of tag teams would be the, the answer to who I was attracted to or drawn to. Uh, tremendous fan of Demolition. Uh, I was a tremendous fan of the Rockers. I, I loved that that combination. The Heart Foundation, obviously, probably my second favorite tag team of all time was Tully and Arn. Uh, when they, whether they were in the NWA as part of the Four Horsemen or they were part of WWE as the Brainbusters, so th those were a lot of the people that I was really drawn to as solo um, in ring performers. Um, Ravishing Rick Rude, nice. <laughs> um, Mr. Perfect, Kurt just, Hennig. Just had that there. Just, 
But yeah, Just that's this is my little like my little uh, collector's corner. Oh, it's like right it. there. Okay. Yeah, like my so th- this is my little corner where I do my little you know Twitch streams and stuff like that when I'm doing right, those right. one tomorrow. But um, and this this corner, if I actually show y'all, um, so my divas title up here. Nice. But these all of these are awards I've won. Oh wow! That's weird, right? And then you go to the next shelf. All of these are awards I've won. <laughs> and then you go to the bottom shelf and all of these with the exception of recruit are awards I've won. And, um, and this is oh my God, whatever this is fucking put yourself over. Um, this is a, um, this is a resolution in my name written by the California state assembly. Oh, I'm sorry. That was from the California state Senate. This one is, California Legislative Assembly, <laughs> written in my name. Over there is one from the mayor of San Francisco and one from the Board of Supervisors of San Francisco. That's fucking uh, wild. So let's it, talk about that a little bit. We've, we've oh my god, we let's did. not because I sound like a, I sound that makes me sound like a total douchebag. Um, no, it doesn't. The it, it it makes me very uncomfortable. I have them. Uh, okay. they're, they're on display. Yeah. Um, they are wonderful reminders of ways that I've touched my community. You know what I mean? Touched and changed people in my community. And those are the signs of appreciation for things that I've done um, to help others. But those were all done quite selfishly because the amount of joy I derive from helping and, you know, in the bigger picture of what our community is doing is just amazing. Speaking of helping, you've um, you've done some fun uh, philanthropy and activism. you um when california was doing the prop eight stuff you were very outspoken and um you helped raise money for the aids house planning uh, the aids housing alliance yes (laughs) and um you you raised money through a wrestling outfit as well right i yes and uh yes yes and yes you know i I think that I am very much a the community this community let me just like kind of gather my thought on that the community I live here in here in San Francisco has paid my bills for 15 years for for over you know 10 years plus consistently I was an entertainer who lived not a lavish lifestyle but a comfortable lifestyle because of the love and financial support of my community, meaning they loved and appreciated me enough that they paid to get into my events. They put dollar bills in my hand and my bra, you know, they supported me. They gave to me this wonderful opportunity to do what I love on a ongoing, on an ongoing basis and to pay my bills doing that. The number of people who are able to pay their bills in a city like San Francisco with astronomical cost of living as an entertainer is super small. My community has given me so much. As a result, I feel an, a sense of obligation as well as a strong desire to repay that kindness from my community. And as a result of that, I have participated in you know, all of those awards that I'm, you know, shown, those are all, almost every single one of them is from some kind of um, philanthropic endeavor or participation in something of that nature. And 
yeah, I, there are times when it feels like everything I've done for philanthropy or for charity or to assist others, it feels very selfish because yes, it may help others, but the way that it makes me feel about myself and my ability to contribute and get back to the community overwhelms that, you know, like the, the sense of, of pride or comfort I take in knowing that people in our community who are marginalized or at risk or less financially capable, that they have the resources available through these nonprofits that I've worked with and contributed to, to make it another day and to, to go on living a good solid life. Like that to me is like the best. Yeah. To me, that doesn't sound like selfishness. That sounds like you have a good heart. Yeah. Uh, Any I've found, and I, John agrees with me. We love giving more than receiving. Uh, And that's when I, when we decide to sponsor something like GCW or this or that, it's because we believe in the product and we believe in what they're representing. And, Mm -hmm. and we, of course, we went to GCW right away because of Effie's big gay gay brunch brunch and culture for the culture, shit, all that stuff. stuff. Yeah. And, And like, it doesn't come off as trite or like, uh, disingenuous or anything like that. So, like I totally understand what you're I saying, mean, and like I I can relate to that as well. I mean, the the shirt that I'm wearing right now is a shirt that's tied to a charity that I'm involved with, um, called Extra Life, which is a gaming charity where we stream games, and while we're streaming games, we we're fundraising at the same time. So I I think of it, and I explain it as it's like the the Jerry Lewis telethon for for gaming nerds because we're playing games and people are like, hey, I'm going to watch this guy play a game and throw some dollars here. And all the money that Extra Life raises goes to Children's Miracle Network hospitals. And when you sign up for Extra Life, depending on where you live, the money you raise stays local. Like we're based in Pittsburgh. All the money I raise goes to the UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. It doesn't just go into a big cloud and divvy up whatever. It goes to my hospital, which I yeah, think is awesome. the best part of the charity. Um, I'll be doing that in November this year because the 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 big thing that Extra Life does is called Extra Life Game Day, which is where everybody or most of the people that participate do that specific day because that's where you stream games for 24 hours and you just go for that day and raise as much as you possibly can. And I'm going to be with them for the majority of it until full gear starts. Until full gear starts. (laughs) 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 But yeah. um, So like you're talking about all the charity stuff and I'm like, I'm sitting here wearing this shirt. Like, hell yeah, I agree. (laughs) I, I just, you know, one of the things that I've always, I think that um, I'm not sure where it came, became instilled in me, but the the fact of the matter is that um, there are about, there's a handful of ways to get me to do something, pay me well, make sure that it's something that I 
specifically want to do. Cause if it's an event or something that really super interests me, I'll do it for absolutely free or make it worth a, make it benefit a cause that's near and dear to my heart in some capacity, because I, yeah. I will absolutely, absolutely donate my time. As I said, I am just, I live a really, the, the life that I've got is something that I would have never dreamed for myself. And it's in, beyond my wildest dreams in terms of like the things that are given to me and the opportunities and chances. And I think that, you know, there, there's just something to be said for recognizing when you do have blessings and making sure that people who may not have as many, um, that they feel like there is hope and that there's something that exactly. there's an opportunity for them, you know, that's and how I, feel, for sure. I, I think that that's to me, that's just so paramount. And specifically with the extra life thing, I have this guy to thank for my involvement in it because as I'll tell you why I've never told you this. I'll tell you why. Uh Oh, secrets <laughs> coming out everywhere. Um, I found out about extra life through rooster teeth. I'm a big Rooster Teeth fan. A lot of people don't know what that is. It's okay if if you don't. It's basically a production company that does all their stuff on YouTube and their own website and stuff. But they've made, like, if you've ever heard of, like, Red versus Blue, Ruby, um, they've made all that stuff. And they do the Extra Life charity stream every year. And I watched it for the past five or six years just being like this is such a great cause it's so awesome i wish i could do this boom we start this podcast all of a sudden i have the necessary equipment to do this to be involved so this guy picking me to do this podcast with him gave me the ability to learn how to stream and get the technological know-how that i have now and get the webcam and get the get the big ass expensive mic and all that you know what i mean so right. like, yeah. So starting this podcast gave me the ability John, to be able to I do cried that twice already. <laughs> Let's not make it three. No, this is what <laughs> this is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done already. Oh, I'll tell absolutely, you that. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you listed those three things. So I guess we're number two because we did not pay you well. And this is not well. No, this like this is not you a know cause. <laughs> <laughs> I talking about wrestling is um, good enough for reason for me to do most anything. Right. So uh, let's see. We talked about the past. We talked about the present. Well, let's talk about the future. The, uh, uh, yeah. You've talked about how people are hitting you up and more things are to come. Now, I know you don't want to, you may not want to drop things here, but what are now? When NWA Empower was coming out, you you were saying how much you loved Mickey James, and you, you were talking. I do about love Mickey. Who doesn't? So so like, who are people that you haven't interacted with in the wrestling business <sighs> that you aspire to have one of those relationships with, uh, or or what promotions would you would you want to be involved in? You, you know. <laughs> Mm -hmm, absolutely. Earlier this year, I, I tweeted out that, um, my goal for the next year was to work with three specific promotions. One of those was hood slam. 
Hood Slam, obviously, I've already got a distinct in with um, the Dark Sheik who runs Dark Hood Sheik, Slam. Yes. You know, Dark like, Sheik I, rules. I adore Dark Sheik. Um, I just spent uh, four days in Vegas with her not that long ago at Fearless. I stayed at her home. Um, I She is somebody who, if you Man. view her as this enigmatic, um, spiritualistic persona that you see on social media, bitch, that's exactly who she is. She's an enigma and wrapped in mystery. And I live for her because I'll tell she, you what, I, I love her. I yeah. love her. And speaking of Dark Sheik, the day that this interview is coming out, she's fighting Nick Gage on this night. She <laughs> sure is hilarious. And I was talking to her, I was talking to her earlier today about it. And I sent her a message and I was like, bitch, you are insane. You're crazy. Um, I mean, are we about to see the queen of the death match crowned? I honestly <laughs> think that we are about to see the queen of the death yeah. match crowned. So, um, you know, Hood Slam was obviously one of the, the places that I really wanted to work. I wanted to work with NWA. I put that out in the universe and the universe said yes. Gave me that yeah. opportunity. And then the last place that's really on, like on the kind of like the front burner right now that I would really love the opportunity to work with and within is uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. You know, Dave Marquez Productions, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is right here based really on the West Coast. Stuff going on there. They do. They have, they tell some phenomenal stories. They have some incredible talent in their mm -hmm. roster. And I think that I would fit right in, in terms of, being able to tell those stories, kind of like classic stories with a little bit of a twist. I see a lot of that with the Dave Marquez productions and championship wrestling from Hollywood and, and Dave Marquez and championship wrestling from Hollywood, the United wrestling network are expanding nationwide, you know, so they've got the championship wrestling from Memphis now and the championship wrestling from Atlanta coming. Mm -hmm. They already have got Hollywood in Arizona and they're considering San Francisco there's um, some talk of a championship wrestling from San Francisco on the horizon. So I'm just like putting it out there, you know, like I live right here. This is in my backyard. I think that nothing says uh, professional wrestling in San Francisco quite like Hoya Del Mar. And so, you know, Dave, if you're listening, I'm available. So call me. But that's those are the, the ideas that I have right now. But I think if if my experience tells me anything it's that i sometimes dream a little too small you know i sometimes dream a little too small and what i mean by that is that is being on nwa empower on august 28th in st louis is being on that one show enough for me no the answer the answer is no the answer is no i want to be a roster member in the National Wrestling Alliance. I want to be on that roster. I want to appear on NWA Power. I want to be on that broadcast every week. Just minutes before we recorded this, I finished this week's episode of NWA Power. I never missed that show. Um, and I feel strongly like I would, as bizarre as it may seem, because of the traditional slant that product takes, I feel like my character would fit in very well there. And one of the things that I was talking about with Taryn Terrell earlier was that there is nobody like me in the world of professional wrestling. 
I not think that, that I know for, it's true. Not that I know. Of. I think that for the National Wrestling Alliance signing Pollo Del Mar, the first drag personality to be a manager in the world of professional wrestling, that's a get because nobody else has it. Nobody's right. going to say, "Oh, you're trying to duplicate this or copy that." Absolutely, I'm a one of a kind. It's 2021, and it's ran by a creative <laughs> who who pretty much dressed in drag for three years on the Adore uh, album. You know what I mean? So it's not out of the realm of possibility, and especially now, because right now in the wrestling community, it's we, a wrestling are seeing, we are seeing a boom with the LGBTQTIA plus community. And yeah, like if it wasn't for Effie, I would have never found out about MV Young. And when I look into MV Young, I'm like, oh, shit, that motherfucker's from Pittsburgh. Let me hit him <laughs> up because I'm going to tell him I'm from Pittsburgh. And guess what? He's going to come on the show and talk about Pollyanne Woodstock. That's awesome. But, like, th there's so many names right now. Billy Dixon. Uh, fucking. Billy uh, Dixon, Dark Sheik. Jim he, Sterling. Uh, Edith Surreal. Edith Surreal. I mean, it, it's it, you. I mean, Trust it, me, I can go. I can go through the list, and if you want me to, I will. You know, we've got Billy Dixon with the Paris's bumping. We've got Effie's Big Gay Brunch. We've got Polyam Cult Party with MV Young. We've got Edith Surreal setting the world on fire, and we've got people like the Dark so Sheik, who's, who's changing the game because Dark Sheik has been changing the game since before she knew who she was you know right. she was already a trailblazer and now by realizing what is internal she is twice the trailblazer we've got people like ac mac who cuts one of the best promos in the business today and ashton star who's incredible um you know in, in terms of in-ring performances Devin Monroe. devon monroe devon incredible monroe, yeah. Um, Mariah Moreno, I could go on and on because uh, I have who's the guy oh. in the tag team from beyond? Oh, he caught my eye real quick. Oh, is it Perot? No, I love Perot. Yeah, how did we I not even him. mention Perot? Perot, Brad, Brad Rosser, Perot, you know, <laughs> like, Rosser, that, yeah. no, no, this, this is an African American male and he's with a female and they're like high class, high society, Sinclair. Mm, no, no. I mean, again, I could literally go through my friends. I can go through the Rolodex of my friends. I would be remiss if I, uh, like, you know, I'm not mentioning even Jamie Senegal, and she, you know, Jamie and I are obviously a, a big thing right now. And I manage a tag team here in Northern California, Money Power Respect, Money Power Fabuloso, Respect, Fabricio, and who is not LGBTQ, and Marco Mania, who is, and we are. I promise you this. Watch what we do. We are going to take Northern California by storm. Money, power, has. respect is going to become the hottest property in Northern California, independent professional wrestling in the next six months. And that's Mark in East Bay Pro Wrestling, UWGA, uh, WZZ, correct? Um, uh, WWZ, World Wrestling, uh, wrestling Warzone. Um, they're, they're not in UGWA yet, but I would guarantee that Underground Wrestling Alliance is going to have them soon because I'm getting more and more involved there. UGWA East Bay Pro really Wrestling. Cool. They, you know, we've got Supreme Pro Wrestling in Sacramento. We've got, we've just got a variety of, 
of smaller independent organizations here in Northern California, Gold Rush uh, Pro Wrestling. There's a number of places, and I'm promising you, Money, Power, Respect, Fabulosos, Fabricio, and Marco Mania are going to become a premier tag team in the eyes of anyone watching Northern California within the next six months. They've had all of the makings to be that special tag team coming out of Northern California. And now that you add me into the mix, both sort of visually, as well as what the dynamics of the group are evolving into, things that the sky is the limit for those two and even higher for us as a trio. You killed that Very fucking good. promo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, and that, that clip I saw at yeah. uh, WWZ. Woo. Woo. So I'm not that great with geography. How close are you to Los Angeles? Los Angeles is a good five and a half, six hour drive away. Well, it's, even so, I think Money, Power, Respect needs to show up at PWG as well because they just we, came back. We are looking to do all of the above. We yeah. are. Our hope is, you know, I've already, it's, I'll tell you this. So, you know, in the world of professional wrestling, sometimes a manager being a manager is a gimmick, right? It's you're, you're paired up. You do, you go out there, you work together, whatever. Right. You're Bobby Heenan's, you're Jim Cornette's. Yes. Yeah. But what I'm going to tell you, I have, I'm currently working with two different sets of talent. Jamie Senegal with NWA. Right. And Marco Mania and Fabuloso Fabricio the money, power, respect here in Northern California. And if you went to either set of those people and asked them what I bring to the table in terms of being their manager, literally setting up photo shoots with them, setting up interviews for them, getting them bookings to, I mean, I'm like, I'm guiding the way that they, I'm, I'm looking at their literally looking at money, power, respects, training videos and i was like i want you to do this i need you to try this move you so need you're, to do that you're a literal manager yeah you're, you're i'm being, literally you're managing the way a manager should be <laughs> these these individuals when when we separate from one another at some point in time if that should come to pass and i think that happens in any relationship you know people like whether it's uh, time and place or just location whatever like when our relationships have run their course in whatever way that we get to go back into the world separate from one another, each of them are going to have an indelible mark on having been managed by and worked with me. Jamie and I, in terms of the things that we are collaborating on, that we're talking about in terms of our looks, in terms of ring entrances, promos, all of these things for NWA, it's a literal dream come true. And the other person that was texting me was Marco the entire time because he was in the middle of asking me some shit. And I was like, I got to go. I got to, I got an interview, you know? So um, it's very, it's a very layered experience, this managerial thing, because, you know, earlier today I was doing the stuff that people see in front of the scenes, which is in full drag, cutting a promo for Joe Galley recording things for race to the chase. that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks as we lead up to August 28th and uh, the empower pay-per-view and NWA 73, the next night, the 29th of August, all in St. Louis. Um, fingers crossed that I get uh, the request to stay for those two days of television tapings, because I really want to be on right. those. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. But even between now and then I've got, uh, I'm telling you right now, spoiler alert, very Paul Heyman of me, but this isn't, this isn't um, like, this isn't a suggestion. This is a spoiler alert on the 14th of August. 
in Pacheco, California, Marco Mania, Fabuloso Fabrizio, Money, Power, Respect are going to become the East Bay Pro Wrestling Tag Team Titleists. They're going to have two sets of championships, and I'm going to lay naked with the title belt strapped over top of me in full drag, very, like, taking that uh, classic HBK Playgirl thing. To well, all I thought you couples. were going to bring up Christina Aguilera on Rolling Stone. but No, that, you, you may not recall this, but there's a famous photo of HBK on oh, yeah, the cover of Playgirl laying with the title over his waist. I'm going to get in full drag and have championship belts just like, you know, hiding my lady lumps. And it's going <laughs> it's, it's to be so easy to do because my boys are bringing home four title belts, two each, and they're going to lay them at my feet. Um, and that's just the beginning. You know, Jamie and I are going to go and kill it at Empower. And if I have even a modicum of, say in the matter she's going on to nwa 73 to face camille for the title let's the go fucking a and you know what that's a perfect way to end this uh paul Poyo, it has been a blessing to have you on uh it really has and we every time lately every time we do interviews we go that was our best interview that was our best interview but We've just been they blessed just keep with a lot up. of We've great been very people very blessed. To come here. And we think about like, like, oh, the view counts aren't up this week, or oh, this isn't going well, or oh, that tweet didn't do well. But then we think about we've been at this for three some for just about three years. With no money behind with us. With no money behind us. And the people that we've gotten to know and get like Brett Lauderdale, Effie, Brian Pillman Jr., Jacob Fatu. Um, Poyo, who are some other people? We've had a so bunch many. of people, but matter. Shane Taylor was our first one, and we're still tight with him on fucking Twitter. Like, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's so great to be we're a part nobody. of something. We're nobody, even we're if we're nobody, like, <laughs> it, it, it's great to be a part of something. You know, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something that, um, like that I think that I'm hearing is sort of at the heart of what you're saying to me, and it's something that I. Uh, that I tell my friends and that I tell people like it, it relates to that thing that I told you about, like there's three ways to get me to do things. The fourth way is actually to feed me, but we didn't need to go into that. But, <laughs> you know, like that what I, when we came back from um, what I called wrestle house, you know, like when we were over all living together at big Gay brunch and we came home from wrestle house and we were all kind of missing each other. Cause we were there for four days together and it was fucking wild and off the hook. And it was like, it was like legitimately living an episode of like the real world and, or like, you know, literally like wrestle house on impact wrestling where it right. was like ridiculous. And um, we all missed each other. And then within like three days of getting home or something, Sheik was like, I miss you guys. <laughs> like, I want to bring you as many of you as I can to Vegas to do fearless. Um, how much would it cost me to get you to come? You know? And one of the things I told her is, Sis, if you, you know, like money, I make money in my day job. I make mm -hmm. money in drag. I make money mm -hmm. in a lot of things. I don't look to make money in wrestling. I want to, I want to, but you know, but I said money to me doesn't mean shit because money comes and goes out of my bank account like that. Memories and experiences last and memories and experiences are what I look for in my life. And I, you know, 
I have a job that I don't really always love, but it pays the bills. And that allows me to have memories and experiences with my friends in the wrestling because it's what I love. Yes. So, you know, that's what I that's think that you're saying. Point. Like, you know, like, you know, okay, so view count is not this, or I'm not, we're not making a profit off of this or whatever. Okay. Well, that's fine. I'm guessing both of you probably have fucking jobs that pay the bills. And this is something that is a passion project. Right. So you get to have moments and experiences and, and the, in my own experience of doing interviews, every interview always feels, unless it's a shit interview, every interview always feels like the best interview or like, right. you know, your favorite or whatever. Because in that moment, you've connected with somebody new and it's like mm-hmm. every interview is different, you know? Yeah. It's and like, like the more that we do, the easier it gets. Like, yeah. What, watch, watch the first episode of this show and then watch this one. It's, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> right. When, when I'm still like the fucking, like, oh, should I talk? Oh, oh is, is that what I sound like? Oh, fuck me! Yeah, where, I, where, I, where I have like? to, where I have is to that... hit him in the knee under to get under him the camera. Talk. Like, talk, it's your turn. Yeah, but I'm like, um, I don't want it to be my turn. <laughs> like I said, this was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, if there's anything you want to plug, do so at this moment. Um, you know, I there's nothing I want to plug. I plugged everything on this right. broadcast. I've already told you, like, I've got East Bay Pro Wrestling coming up on the 14th of August. I've got um, another the Wrestling Warzone WWZ show coming up on the 21st of August. Then it's off to St. Louis for NWA Empower, where I'm going to be managing Jamie Senegal in the first ever all-women's NWA Invitational gauntlet match with the winner getting to face world women's champion Camille the next night at the NWA 73 uh, anniversary pay-per-view. Let's go. It is Jamie. going to be, it's going to be incredible. And I'm telling you right now, I, I can't spill the beans, but I already know every single name on that, that roster of talent Ooh. for that show, including the contestants in the women's tag team tournament. That's going to crown the first ever women's NWA tag team champions in more than 35 years. So some of the names that are participating in that event are huge. And some of the revelations relating to the tag team tournament are insane as well. So I just encourage people to tune into that. It's going to be very unbelievable. To it. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, is that, where's that going to be? Is, is that going to be on fight? Yeah. It's going to be on fight TV. Awesome. Yep. Fight is what broadcasting I live so. on fight TV. Oh, yeah. And I encourage people who are interested in both events, NWA 73, as well as Empower. They're back to back. There's a bundle. Get that nice. bundle and okay. save a bundle. I, you know, I, I really. like the bundles. I like bundles. I like the I like, GCW bundles. I like bundles too. <laughs> you are a bundle. I am a bundle. Uh, <laughs> like the nothing, value meal of pro wrestling. Neither, neither of the graphics we have here have the date, but that's on August 28th, right? 28th and 29th. Empower is the 28th. NWA 73 okay. is on the 29th. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, that was awesome, man. Wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night, you have a great one. Peace and love to all of you. Bang! Bang.